Hello, everybody, and welcome to Documentation Not Included, a tech industry podcast by DNI Stream, the live repository. Nope, not going to happen. The live knowledge repository for software professionals. It is Thursday, 7 p.m. GMT time, and it's British time. We're live on Twitch.tv slash DNI Stream. I'm Josie Howard, and as always, I am joined by the bearded fellow, the man of mystery, the guru on the mountain. Chris Park. I don't know. The guru on the mountain. That's a. Uh, I'll do. I Not only you, you do like the mountain. Yeah. Do like mountains? Yes. I haven't been on a mountain for such a long time though, because it's uh, it's very very wet in England at the moment. Extremely wet, and it's not worth. Last time I went out for a walk, um, we tried to get over a river, and it was running so quick we couldn't just couldn't. We had to cut the walk short. So anyway. anyway, yes, so hello, Josie, and hello to everybody in Twitch chat. We've got a few people uh, joining us already because I was doing a little bit of dev streaming before the chat. As always, please do get involved. We do take comments during the show, um, and we may very well read them out if you're lucky. Yeah. And then you'll end up on all of our podcast platforms all across the interwebs. Yay! Yes. <laughs> but go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, no. Yeah, oh, you, you, I, you, I thought that came oh, afterwards. Just, I don't yeah, know why. No, but I just I'll, I just, I'll tell you what. We'll we'll just. This seems to be the week for us. We've had a very unique week of all kinds of weird things happening. But we'll go to icebreaker quickly, and then we'll go to the actual topic and everything else that we have in our discussion for today. And our icebreaker question is just a chance to get to know us, along with when we have guests, we just get to know them. And also gives us a chance to get to know you, our lovely listeners. Do let us know your responses by using Twitter, you know, at DNI Stream, or just if you happen to be here in chat, feel free to answer. The question this week has to deal with music. I figured I'd make it easy. So your question this week, Chris, and you have no guest to bounce this to. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'll be fine if it's music, hopefully. What song do you most associate with your childhood? Well, that's a good one. I thought you were going to say, what song would you want uh, playing at your funeral? And I've already given my wife a massive list of them. Oh, good God. Hugely. <laughs> Oh, childhood. I think it would yeah. have to be um, Benny Hill. I think it's Benny Hill. And it's um, Ernie's, Ernie and his fastest, the fastest milk float in the West. Have you heard that? No. So it's a, it's in, uh, Benny Hill, obviously. Um, and it's a kind of a comedy song. But my dad had, when I was a kid, he had tons of um, the small records. What are they? Single players, SP, single players. Um, small vinyls, you know, 45? records. That's uh, well, there can be forty-five or seventy-two, can't there? But seventy-two is larger. All right, okay. Well, I don't know these things because I'm I'm a little bit older than that. But we had loads of these, like like small records, forty-fives or whatever. Um, and w that was one of them. And I just played it over and over and over as a kid because I just loved it. And I loved the crackling. And I loved the, you know, putting them putting putting the vinyl, the needle on the vinyl. And my dad didn't like it though because I went through his his needles more than he did. Um, but yeah, <laughs> for me, it's a song from a very old show. Uh, Nielsen, I think, was the one who did the music for it. But it's a song called "Me and My Arrow," and it's from a little cartoon and a story known as "The Point," where it's about a story of a land where everybody has a point on their head except for one kid, Oglio, and his dog Arrow, and it gets stuck in your head. Me and my arrow. I feel like I've heard that before. Taking the high road. Okay, but yeah, so basically that's the song that I most associate with my childhood when I think of that. And when I start going up in age, we start getting into things like, you know, Paint It Black and other, you know, I would fantastic also... music. But that is my childhood song. I would also say uh, Puff the Magic Dragon as well, because I had uh, a tape mm. with Puff the Magic Dragon on it, and it, I played it again so much that the tape ruined. It was absolutely ruined. But, I mean, I listened to a lot of different music when I was a kid, but not because I liked it, just not because I was into music, just because it was around, you know? I listened to the radio a lot. I did a lot of recording on tape from the radio. Don't tell, don't tell the government, though. 
I'm sure you're not allowed to I, do that. I think most people did that. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember sitting there with my tape deck and my, you know, waiting for the song to come on because I was making mixtapes for my friends. Mm -hmm. And you would just sit there and you just go, Bee. And then the red, the DJ would talk over the end of it. Oh, 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 that was so annoying. Surely got paid to do that. Okay, so <laughs> let's move on then. So tonight, Josie and I are yeah. going to be talking about a subject um, that I don't know much about. Um, which is, to be fair, probably a first for DNI. I'm not. I usually have quite a lot of insight, and today I don't really have any insight. We've we've had a bit of discussion about it. Um, it's bug I think bounties. You have insight. I've got I've got insight. I think I've got opinions, but they're probably very skewed and very um, uneducated. So as I said, it, it's about bug bounties. And let's start off by asking Josie, what is a bug bounty? Okay, bug bounties are when a corporation usually says if you report a vulnerability or something that has been discovered that is seen as a vulnerability on our platform, software, etc., we will reward you. And when you say reward, is that reward always monetary or does it come in different forms? Like, for example, we give you VIP you can, access you can, to something or... There's, there's, it's now mostly known with money. Um, so there are things like HackerOne, et cetera, where you can, as a company, set up a bug bounty board. And if people follow whatever your particular scope is and stuff like that, you will be rewarded based on the types of vulnerabilities you find or, you know, stuff like that. And there are people who literally make a living doing nothing but that. Mm. Um, there are researchers who spend their, you know, four hours a day running scripts and testing things and then reporting them and getting paid. I mean, come on, that's just lovely. But it's not always about money, although that is the most common form because people who do bug bounties on a professional level still have to report taxes. Sorry. That's, well, of course. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> still the way it works. It, I wonder if that's under IR35, Chris. Hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I probably not because you're not under the control direction or supervision of, of the person that you're doing the bug bounty for. They're saying find a vulnerability. Now, let's be clear about this then. So... Is a bug bounty always just an open invitation from a company to say, find a bug in our system? Or do they usually have more kind of um, granular requirements and say, right, we've built this. We think there might be this kind of vulnerability. Can you test it for us? And if you find anything, report, us, report it to us. It can be all of the above. Okay. All right. So, you know, there was a, a time um, where the U.S. government reached out to the hacker community and they basically, well, I think it was the Pentagon actually, and they said, hack us. Hack us and report to us what you find. And, of course, a lot of people in the community were like, oh, really? <laughs> Are you really wanting us to report this stuff? And then, of course, there is that question of, if I do it, they'll know that I did it. Like, mm, like there's a whole lot of sort of, are they processes in it. is it entrapment but, or not that kind of yeah thing. exactly um although it was officially set up and done in such a way that you know the legal protections were in place uh, that is a big part of it when yeah. bug bounties are set up it's up to the company to decide what the scope of that bounty is so for example um recently there was this group that has discovered several vulnerabilities within PayPal itself. And unfortunately, uh, they got dinged really hard for it. And a lot of people kind of go on two sides or technically sort of three sides to what had occurred. One, they didn't follow the scope of what PayPal set up for their bounty program. Another is like, well, PayPal's always just been horrible at responding to this. And another is like, well, you should found, you found something. It makes a difference if it's in scope or not. You should be rewarded for what you have found. But there are different levels and every company can pick and choose what they want to do. So for example, Chris, we have a vulnerability that shows up in GitHub about our website and yet we've not really put a lot of emphasis or focus on it. Why? Is that a, an actual legitimate question? It's an actual legitimate question because if you go to our GitHub repo for our website, you will see a little notification that says you know, there's a little security vulnerability. Only we see that. Ah, well, fair enough. Well, Only we see that because... There you go. Point is... We also we get emails every week telling us that there is a vulnerability. <laughs> There's still a, still vulnerabilities in the website. So um, we haven't fixed that bug. One, because it's not particularly important for, for the pure reason that it's a build bug. It's to do with when the software gets built, there are certain um, packages that we use within the software um to to in the build chain that builds mm -hmm. the angular side of things it's actually one of the angular uh well it's more than one there's a few 
of the build toolchain packages that have bugs in them, which doesn't affect the live website. Now, that right there explains the scope and why these right. particular individuals might have gotten dinged. Because some of the things they found, you know, if someone steals someone's PayPal information for login, they found a vulnerability that can do kind of interesting things if you have a stolen login, and that's outside of scope. There's another one that's sort of like, it's an internal thing, not an external thing. And by having that sort of differentiation, if someone came to us and, you know, they decided to, if we had a bounty program, don't try to find bounties or find bugs and things without the permission of the company you're going after. Let me just lay that flat on the line. That's a good way to find yourself in a lot of trouble. Why though? I mean, to me, if somebody, if somebody came to me and said, unless they did something malicious on my website or my application and, and said to me, I found this vulnerability, I'm not going to publish it publicly, but here you go. This is, this is, you know, would you, I mean, okay. Uh, hang on. How do you how do you approach the company and how do you say that to them that's, without without one holding them for ransom and two actually getting some recom uh, some compensation? If that's there's no why I, I I just put that blanket statement in. Every country has their own laws regarding things like this. Hmm. Whether I mean, if you're just you know bouncing around, for example, uh, there was a vulnerability that was found on a website because in the URL they used you know some string and by just changing a couple of the characters in the string they had access to somebody else's account mm -hmm. and now that kind of thing can be discovered completely by accident all it takes is a cat a keyboard and you not paying attention and someone could find themselves in somebody else's account but at the same time if you're actively looking for things like this it can be a gray area and it's always best to know what the restrictions are for whatever place it is now there are I am of the opinion that every company should be open to receiving reports from researchers because there are kids and adults who, for fun, just go around looking at things because they're just curious how things work. I understand the hacker mentality in that respect. It's the understanding of, well, how do you make this work? What, what changes? How does it function? How is it all put together? Mm. And it's not with malicious intent. However, if you are stumbling around and it's a bank or it's a company that has a contract with a government and you start reporting things without checking to see how it's all set up, it can get really nasty really, really surely quickly. Surely if you report something and you don't, and you report it, um, it doesn't matter if it's anonymous or not to me. I, I, if I reported something, it would be with good intent. With my business head on, I want to make something from that, from that report, especially if I've, we, we discussed this before the show. As a company, that has a piece of software and has invested money into a piece of software, unless I am paid to maintain that software and look at, look at it, I have no incentive whatsoever to report anything to them because they're a corporation. They make money out of that software. Therefore, my business head says to me, I'm owed some, something for finding this bug. But when you approach them and say, I found a bug, have you got a, a, a bug a bug bounty program or or anything like that and i'll tell you more about it that's holding them for ransom that's blackmail that's a very dangerous place to put yourself so the it's only right. the only thing morally to do in that instance would be to report it anonymously or not again doesn't to me doesn't matter that much uh, and report it for free which kind of cuts you out of the loop do you are you going to get a um recognition for that or are you going to get some kind of potentially get a bounty or would you just leave it and go whatever it's not my problem that mentality is the mentality that uh, a lot of older generation people have about reporting crimes that they see and not you know not not getting involved what, because i should report a crime because i expect the police to no pay no me? no so um <laughs> i i, I have concept. no that's i actually phrased that incorrectly so um i've come across quite a few people um especially older generation or but but we're, we're older than us, um, uh, who don't trust... It's not even older generation, to be fair. That's a really bad thing to say. It's anybody who doesn't trust the police or the um, the law enforcement or, or whatever. They don't trust them. Therefore, if they... I don't know, if they saw mugging outside on the street or they... For, I, a great example. The other week, I found someone's key cars, uh, car keys on a bush right next to the car and I picked them up 
uh, sorry, what me and the wife walked past them and she said, oh, I just saw some car keys on that bush. And I went, all right, and just kept walking. And I thought, oh, hang on, let's go back, picked them up, tried them, and it opened a car right in front of me. And immediately, my dad's, my dad started saying to me, oh, put them back, don't get involved, because you'll be told, you'll get told off for, for um, or you'll get arrested for stealing something out of the car, you know? You'll be blamed for somebody else's mistake. And that kind of thing. So it's that, that mentality that I meant. It's that kind of, let's not There's get involved because I'll get in trouble. Well, see, there's also the co the whole concept of like there's a a, a, a a sort of a bystander paradox or something along those lines where people just don't get involved because they don't want to get involved for a variety of reasons. But there's a bystander thing where people will literally just sit there and watch someone get beat or stolen or robbed or whatever and actually not include themselves or even stick around to speak to the police. Now, there's a whole lot of discussion behind that kind of a thing. Yeah, and that's However, not what we're talking about here, but it's the same similar kind of mentality, I, I feel. Here, here's where I kind of throw a, a, a little question into this. I mean, you're saying you're putting your business hat on. Now, if your job is to do nothing but find bounties rock on in mm. that case there is something to be said for you making certain there's a bounty program or what have you if however you just happen to stumble upon something you can choose not to report you can choose to report you can choose to disclose and you can choose to release it to the wild you have so many options in your hand and honestly it will sit on the individual to make the decision as to what they feel is the most appropriate I, I, I know people who go gray in the world of quote unquote white and black hats because they have found a vulnerability and they want to inform, they have informed and they are denied uh, or ignored or looked down upon and they find themselves in a situation where it's like, this is something that I know is currently in use. I have no other option but to go public with this. Mm -hmm. That is one thing. However, I want to point out something Tultepe has said in the chat. He says, we had a case here in Norway not too long ago where a kid got arrested and all his computers got confiscated when he reported a major security flaw on some one-pager service to the company that owned it. This is why I say, don't just go rushing in there and do this. Look for the bounty programs if you want to get involved or at least understand really clearly your laws. There's a reason why when you have a group of penetration testers coming to test your platform and regardless why you do it, before that even starts, there is a scope meeting and you understand what you are allowed to access and what you're not allowed to access. You know, people who do physical penetration testing are usually told you're allowed to access the room with the servers, but you cannot physically touch the servers. If you can get that far, great. But they have to go by the scope. And there has to be a legal recommend, like document behind it to protect not just the company, but also the people performing it. I mean, there was a horrible case in the United States of two security researchers who were performing what they were supposed to be performing, but they still got arrested. There's, there's a whole bunch of crazy weird things behind it. You've got to be careful, be aware of it. But going back to what you're saying, Chris, it's always going to be on the individuals to report it. When I personally find something that seems a little off or weird, my personal response is I'm going to explain it to the people who it's involved in, but I'm going to not go seeing if I can get paid for it. That's not what I do. Mm. I'm not a devoted security researcher. Yeah, security is a part of everything that I do in my company. In fact, as developers, we really need to have more attention to testing for security or being aware of what things are out there because we can be very easily impacted by things that we have control over and things we don't. I mean, software developers, rock on. You build your software. But if there's a hardware vulnerability, what control do you have over stuff like that? So there, I think it really needs to be built into the discussion there. But I, me, if I find something strange... I'm going to look for the right way to report it. There's usually something like security at for the specific domain that's involved. Um, usually, usually that's not always the case, but you have to be aware if you find something, there could be ramifications behind you trying to be a good Samaritan because it can come back and bite you. It really, really can. And in some cases, for example, in bug bounty programs, uh, like these researchers who found several vulnerabilities in PayPal, when they reported them, their reputation got dinged because there's an actual reputation um, points that you can get as a bug bounty hunter or a bug hunter, so to speak. Um, and it's just, 
it's a dangerous thing to be in because it's still gray in a lot of places. If you access some information on somebody else's PC without their permission, fault or not, the law can work for and against you. It just depends on how good your lawyers are and what country you're in. I'll just state that plainly. So I, I think um, if we go back to the, the I mean, my, my point about the, uh, the business side of things, if mm -hmm. you run, yeah, if you run a business and you and you are a security expert, then of course you're going to try and find the right way of reporting. In the situation where you can't find a way of reporting it safely, what, would you would you just what you do in that situation? It? No, if you are if you are very specifically in the bug hunting business, like if that is your 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 brand and everything else that goes with it you will find where the bounty boards are and you will follow whatever the scope that has been laid out for those bounty boards. Because otherwise, you don't have anything really to back you up. And again, it can change. You always get lawyers' permissions. Like, this is a big old legal tangle web thing to do it. But most bug bounties, if they're doing it for a living, are using these programs. They're not going out randomly to some website and going, hmm, let's see what I can find on um, FUBAR today. They're mm -hmm. not doing that. They're explicitly going after the people who've said, come at me. As an example, um, we talk about this a in a lot whenever we're talking about analytics for DNI stream, but Matomo. Matomo is an open source platform or open source software for doing analytics in a self-host kind of manner and way. They're one of the first to have a bounty program and they do have a scope listed. And when they have bounties, people report things that come in, they make choices on how to handle them. But they specifically have a program built up. Mm -hmm. Not everybody does. I personally think everybody should have a program for it. I really but do. Not everyone can necessarily, well, uh, here we go. You're probably going to recoil at this, but not everybody can necessarily afford that either. I'm not going to recoil at that because that's the honest to goodness truth. If not everybody... Someone, also not also not everybody values security even in this day and age even this, this post gdpr d and age even in this which is which raised you know raised the bar quite heavily i mean we it was it was a, i think it did a lot of uh, at least they ticked boxes after gdpr ticked the the lowest uh, what's the lowest common denominator boxes you know that they, they Low-hanging fruit. That's it, low-hanging fruit. They, they, they... Business bingo. Woo! But I think, I think for me, I, I, I totally. I mean, security is a, a number one concern for me. I'm. It's not my uh, bread and butter by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a number one concern. And I, if somebody reports something to me or tells me that I've that my code is insecure in any way that that I've overlooked something, that there's a SQL injection bug in that query parameter or anything like that. That is the first thing that I, you know, I'm, I want to fix. That's the, it's the first thing if, that comes let up. Let us just say that someone goes to your business website and you randomly get an email that says, I have found a vulnerability in the way that you stream things with the particular thing on your website that allows for, we'll say, cross-site scripting. Let's just let's just say you get that kind of an email, Chris. Would you want to pay the person who's reported it if you can actually prove it that it is an actual thing? Because there are such things as false reports. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. You can, if someone's that's what I mean. Someone's holding you to ransom. It's like a, a spam email that you get that says, "Oh, I've I've got access to your webcam and I've seen what you've been looking at." And it's like I've not been looking at anything, mate. For one and two, yeah, and Ransom two bug get, reports. Get, out of here um, but it's that's the thing let's it's say that it's a, the thing they've actually found and it is real and they've reported it to you it Would depends you... how they held themselves i'd take my website down I'd, i would go that far i'd rather not have a website yes up. but that that's fine that's how you're handling the result of what has been discovered how are you handling the reporter well I mean, if the it depends again how they reported it. If they reported it friendly and maybe spoke to me and explained enough about it, I don't know. I've never been in that situation. This is one of the things that I think makes it very difficult for businesses and developers alike because, I mean, it all depends on value. 
it's that value statement. It's like it's like setting my consultancy fees. My consultancy fees are often set based on the value that I'm providing a particular client and their budget. If they've got a two million pound budget and, and they, they're a, a 10 billion pound company, then my rates are going to be higher because my value to them is more over the over that period. Whereas if somebody reported something to me about my website, I get one or two people looking at my website a month, you know, sometimes, but if I'm lucky. Uh, so it's not that valuable to me. It's annoying, you know, I'd, I'd take it down and I'd look into it and I'd, I'd but it, there's no, there's no value. If I was making a lot more money off my website, then yes, I would probably think about giving them some compensation in some way, shape or form. Do you see where I'm coming okay. from? So this person approaches you and says, hey, you know, I found a vulnerability on your website. Uh, this is the vulnerability. You kind of need to fix it just so that you know. Uh, can I get some compensation for the time and effort that I put into finding this? I didn't ask you to. <laughs> you know? And I'm that not... goes right back to, again, yeah. my statement of not doing things without permission. Um, but that also comes into the category of why were they looking at your site in the first place? Why were they testing your site for that vulnerability? There, This is a very, very tough sub. There is no way to sit there and go, this is the correct way it should be done and always done. Because honestly, it is way too gray, period. So I think I think there's a there's an easy answer to this, and okay. and I'm, I know you're probably going to disagree with me, but this is what this well, is about. We'll find out. Uh, I don't know until you present answers. There is can there is an easy answer to this. If I don't. And I think that there's it's black and white. This is black and white. Either you have a bug bounty program with a clear scope and clear de definition of what we what we are willing to offer for you fixing it, or you are hacking my website. I'm, I'm sticking with that. That's, I okay. am comfortable with that as a statement. That's fantastic. If you wish to go to that respect, um, I will now throw out, let's talk about the malicious actors then. So they're hacking my website. They're hacking your website. They're now loading your site with tons of things where if someone actually clicks to view a page or sends you a contact message, they're actually, you know, being browse jacked or something and getting mm -hmm. software download and overtaking the latest. Speaking of which, please make certain you have Chrome updated because, you know, it actually fixes three zero day bugs that have come out. Um, but, you know, it's the, uh, well, uh, Tulltep has just said something very relevant. And this also applies to people washing your windows at traffic lights that, you know, that like, it's mm -hmm. like someone suddenly showing up at your house, mowing your lawn, then demanding compensation. Now it's that demand there, isn't it? It's that, it's that, it, that's the, that's the awkward part. It's that. Well, see, that's one of the hardest things is actually what is a demand versus a request? Or, you or know? a you know, suggestion. What's or a donation it, it, versus a... It's just the, when you look at it from the other side, what's a donation versus payment? And something to keep in mind is not everybody who is going to be a bug researcher is going to speak your language. So they might use words that you automatically click onto and go, ooh, they're holding me for ransom. And the reality is they're trying to translate from whatever language they speak mm. into English. But at the same time, there is also the malicious actors who will modify how they type to make it seem like they don't speak English in the first place. And that causes a whole bunch of other concerns, which is why I still throw out there's a bit of a gray side to this. You know, yes, it would be, in my opinion, fantastic if there was bug bounties for everyone. Because to me, when you have bug bounties with a scope, there are a couple of things that happens. If you have a high enough value target and you dedicate a budget to the bounty scheme, you will have people who actually do this for a living hunting your stuff down because they want those bounties. They don't get paid unless they meet a certain part of the scope. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. So you are going to have, for lack of a better term, outside consultants who do this for a living, consistently engaging in attempting to break whatever it is they're trying to break, report it to you, they get paid, you fix the problem, at least you hope you fix the problem. <laughs> that's a that's a whole other topic unto itself. Reports that don't get fixed, which is why a lot of things end up um, uh, being disclosed past certain times, because there is, there is a sort of like a three, six month rule that can happen as well, depending upon things. But um, yeah, 
then after that, you know, they'll go back at it again and they'll try and do the next thing because we're constantly evolving. So there's still there's still nothing you've said so far, malicious actors or or that that you can have where my solution there, which is very black and white, doesn't work. Well, no, that's that's perfectly fine. That is the way it technically is right now. Hmm. And I I now now you've explained it to me. Anything to access your site, they are without your permission breaking the law so that's that's that what you've just described to me then but and what you've just done by switching it on me and saying if they did this to you on your website that has changed my mm-hmm. opinion and changed my mind on this because before but when i came into this i thought right if if i found a bug by accident and that's the only scenario i can see myself finding a bug really by accident you know cat walking mm-hmm. on keyboard etc or just I don't know, I happened to do something and I didn't know what I've done and I've logged onto someone else's account or whatever, you know? And then I would look into it and then I'd go, oh, well, why has that happened? Because my technical brain would kick in and I'd be like, oh, okay, right, this is that, this is that. Oh, I see. Let's report this. And then before I click that send button, I probably would read my email a few times and then I don't know. I don't know if I would would click that button. And I certainly wouldn't click that button after this conversation. See, that's... that's that because is, how, I how... think, the terrifying thing behind this. I I am the kind of person where if someone reached out to me about, you know, vulnerabilities or things they had found, I'd want to work with them. I, I'd, I'd want to understand, you know, first off, why did you go to that site in particular? Was it linked somewhere else? Was it attached to a password breach? Or was it, you know, some database on the dark net, dark web? whatever you know and you know i'd want to figure out more behind it but i understand that area so to me it's understanding it now if they turned around and said we found this thing and i'm going to hold your ransom and not pay for it there's nothing i can do because that doesn't necessarily fall under the digital scope of computer fraud and a whole bunch of other things that happen that falls under a category known as blackmail Mm -hmm. where it doesn't matter what you have, whether it's someone mowing your lawn and asking for payment, washing your windows and demanding payment, like that's it. There's still a blackmail. There's still a, a thing to that that is under a different precedent and a different legal scope. Me personally, I'd want to work with them to figure out what's going on. If they found something that was severely significant, I personally will look for ways to either continue working with them, which means I'd probably set up a bug bounty program in specific. Or I would see if there's a way that I could bring them in under contract to have them periodically test things for me or something. Um, it's it's not a matter of, for me, being upset. It's like you said, it's how they approach you. Mm. And there is something to be said in today's day and age in technology where things are so all over the place. It used to be you had a server and your server ran an operating system and that is how things worked. Now we have containerization. Now we have a whole bunch of other things that have to be taken into account. And I mean, if someone, for example, and I've seen this happen, finds a really weird bug with an AWS, and in that bug, it impacts all kinds of users, and they report it, which did happen. Someone did find something within AWS. I can't remember the exact specifications behind it, but they could literally gain access to like anybody's bucket. It was insane. They reported it and they worked with Amazon, but Amazon happens to have, you know, a bounty kind of a program that goes with it. They did full disclosure that way. But if they find something like that, that still impacts you as a client of AWS. And should you be part of the process of, being engaged in these things. Like, there's so many things to discuss and revolve where around. Would, where would yeah. this stop then? So we've got... That's the problem. I don't we, know. I've I've reported bugs previously. I've reported bugs to Microsoft. Um, mm-hmm. I've received a community contributor award for reporting bugs for one little little thing back in 2012, I think, to somebody who, uh, someone well-known who runs a blog who works at Microsoft or used to work at Microsoft. Um and, you know, I got rewarded for it. That was cool. That was really cool. But the bug was in one package that just so... I can't even remember what it was now. I know what the package was, but I can't remember what the bug was. <laughs> but it was it was so insignificant that um, it was... Um, I wouldn't... I mean, I, I never thought about asking... Was the bug a security company. vulnerability? Well, no, that's the question. That's what I mean about the, the, the how far do mm-hmm. we go with it. Is it all... Are bug bounties always about security and vulnerabilities? Or... Yeah. 
or can they be just about we need bu- <laughs> if you find bugs in our system let us know that that's it pretty much every bug program that i am personally aware of is security related Okay, so that makes sense. Vulnerability related. We've got three things here. We've got one, we ask you to to find a bug. Two, we give you scope on that bug. And three, it is a security related bug that we want found. It could be any any kind of bug, or it could just be we've created this new service. If you can log in as somebody um, that you shouldn't log in as, or you find anything like uh, uh, leaked tokens or um, issues with sessions or anything like that, then report it to us, you know, and we, yeah, and that's, we will... that's more what you find in bug bounties mm. versus say beta testing or alpha testing a piece of software or game or something along those But people lines. would get paid to do, that. I mean, not, maybe not a game because you get enjoyment out of that. So we go back to the, what am I gaining from it? I'm currently in the process of bug testing, not bug testing, but playing an alpha computer game. Well, technically speaking, that is bug testing because you and probably have a button you can press that says, I was doing this, this happened, and this I, was the result of my issue. I actually have access to someone directly who has access to the people bugs, and we just tell him directly, oh, this has just happened, and we you know, we play the game with him. But beside the point, um, I'm getting something from that. And this is what I was getting at before we even started the show. It's not just mm-hmm. a monetary thing. What am I getting from finding bugs? Are there people out there that just want to find bugs and they get satisfaction from the fact they've found a bug? Or are, yes, there are all of these people chasing bug bounty, bug money? And the people who are just getting satisfaction, I mean, they're obviously still getting something out of it. Yeah, they are. It's but not it, when, when you and I first dis- discussed this before we had the show, when we were talking about this topic to begin with, your response was, "There's always a financial gain, and it's not always finances." That uh, no, I said it, I said a benefit. There's always a benefit in some description, um, and that, and it's not necessarily financial. You specifically financial. said finances, but that was that was not even on the show, so it's it's difficult yeah. to bring that here because most people haven't heard us discuss. So that. But, but, okay, but, well, yeah. whether it's financial or not. Uh, it, they're still getting a benefit of some description because we don't. I I don't particularly believe in altruism. I don't believe that any anybody does anything without some kind of gain. No matter how you look at it, somebody gets something there from is, it. There is, and that is, for lack of a better term, altruism. It can literally be simply, I did this, and it makes me feel good for doing it. And that there is isn't altruism. Wrong. The definition of altruism is that you don't get anything out of it. You just you're doing it for no gain whatsoever. And if you get a feeling from it, then you're getting something. But see, you're you're starting to mix into ethical philosophies, and usually in the use of altruism, there's usually some kind of physical component to it, not just an emotional component to it. Because then you're starting to walk into other ethical platforms and we're not going to get into things like junkions and other stuff that goes with it in this show although someday chris while we're doing one of our thursday or wednesday streams while we're you know doing some kind of coding we will have to start getting into discussions about ethical philosophies because i find them fascinating but physically some people really just enjoy being able to discover something new and report it and some people do it to try to help people there are there are groups out there that when router zero days are found, scan the internet for routers that are the signature for that particular zero day vulnerability and patch them. It's a thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I find it hard to believe that they aren't being paid to do that, though. They aren't, you know, they aren't. They aren't. <sighs> they absolutely unequivocally are not being paid to do it. There, there are groups of people out there who will gather together and go, right, what are we doing today? This is the thing. Let's go out and take care of it. Are they breaking the law? Absolutely. However, And they're putting themselves under quite a lot of risk as well there. Oh, anything. Well, Exposing on, themselves the to a lot of alo- risk. Yeah, putting yourself on the internet alone puts you at risk. It's, you know, understanding what the risks are and your choices, which goes back to, do you press that send button if you've discovered a vulnerability Mm. and they don't have a bug bug program? It's always a risk and you have to understand what the risks are and then you have to make a judgment call. That's that's risk 101 for businesses. And I put a question out out to the the viewers and um, there's there's a few people chatting, but I want to put a question out and ask them what they would do if they accidentally found a bug on a website or on a service or anything in a computer game that was security related Mm. that you realized this affects a lot of people and this vulnerability could 
like you for example you accidentally logged into somebody's bank account and you could you know you could redirect money if you were maliciously minded i mean first of all what would you do in that instance i know i would log straight back out i would i would log straight back out what you, you would what, panic reset now I, I there's obviously going to be some people who who would i'm not sure listening but there would be some people who would do malicious things in that situation there definitely are we know that that's why crimes crimes happen um but all the internet allows people to do is the same stuff they've been doing before just yeah, in a different just way. in a virtual way yeah but th that situation where i got car keys for example um my, my wife was a bit like what are you doing why are you picking the car what? and I, I was thinking about it all night i opened this car and i i, I, try, I knocked on a few doors and i tried to find the person who was who, whose car it was and then eventually it was a week later i kept trying to i put left notes on the car to say i've got your keys give me a call you know i didn't call and then i just took them to the police station expecting there's a, a small part of me because my, my my dad doing this in my head uh expected me to them to ask me for all my details and make you know they're not they, they'd arrest me or something if i'd if something had gone wrong with the car i knew it wouldn't happen anonymous completely anonymous just walked in handed the keys and left that was it told them this is where i found them i think it opens this car this is the registration but not everybody would do that some people would use them keys and steal the car oh good old-fashioned question chris you're walking down the street and you find somebody's wallet what do you do what Very old-fashioned well, question. Imme I mean, immediately I open it up and see if there's any identification in it. Immediately, I okay, obviously, so I obviously have you, a look you, to see what's you, you, in the you wallet. You find ID, you find credit cards, and you find cash in the little wallet I, thingy. I have done that before, and in that instance, I picked. I was with a group of lads, um, and it was when I was quite a bit younger. And some of the lads, I mean, I picked it up. Some of the lads were like, "Oh, just get, take the money and throw it in the." Wallet. I was like, "No." I'm, no, I'm sorry. And they were they were annoyed at me all night for being honest. But I found out whose wallet it was. There was a, luckily a driving license in there, and got hold and got hold of them on Facebook. I did it with. Um, I was coming back from a date night one night, and um, I found a student's ID card on the floor next to a college. Um, and I found them on Facebook, and I sent them a message, and I said, "Oh, I found your ID card. Um, it looks like it might be expired anyway." That's not a stalker at all, or terrifying in the slightest. But, but, but anyway, I said, "I said if you want it, I can post it to you, or send it to you, or leave it somewhere, or whatever." Um, but he and he didn't say thank you, and he didn't say thank you at all. He just um, he just said, "Oh, I've got another one." And that was it, and it's like, "Oh, I'd like to, I'd like to thank you, you know, thank you for being honest and not." abusing i don't know whatever because because there's things but, you can see, do with these things see, why that, that, it's interesting to me you say that and this is more from like a, a brain point of view you want to be thanked for being nice yeah no but that's the thing is because the world the the media and the world and my pessimistic father and, and parents in fact both my my parents are very pessimistic the world is against them so i i would like to I don't know. There's a there's a precedent that the world is against everybody and everybody's evil in my in my brain, and that's the way that we're wired generally. But when you do something nice, which should be the default, you expect praise for it. And Just a bit of praise or politeness, see, you know, a thank I, you. I don't I don't see the world as evil and out to get me in no, any way. I don't. I don't. I don't. But what I'm saying is, well, it's no, been. It's been. I'm quite an optimistic person, and I am. I'm. I think I'm good-hearted and honest. You know, I've probably done. Well, I've definitely done things in my life that I'm not particularly proud of, um, and I've done things that I definitely wouldn't do now. But the, the difference is, is that I don't know. The experiences I've had have generally all been quite good in life, but the experiences some people have in life aren't. And we're getting into the ethical ground here. Uh, we are, bit. but see, that's that's the thing. In this particular case, when it comes to bug bounties and things like that, there are going to be people in our world of development who actually enjoy doing things like that because it is a form of investigation. It can include some things that some people don't think about. I have... Some learning there as well. Was there, there's there's things you can learn. There are people who are naturally curious, and sometimes they pass past, go past their curiosity level into the rather slightly unethical. But again, it depends on what ethical philosophies you follow. There was a um, plugin for WoW 
you know, how you could, you know, have your own little uh, add-ons and things like that in WoW. But there is a plugin for WoW that was exceptionally popular because at the very top of the screen, it told you how much gold you had and how much stuff was in your bag and it gave you your coordinates. It was a very, very popular thing. And there was an individual who I knew um, and I only found out about all of this after the fact, and they got in trouble for all of this, but they found out that there was actually a vulnerability in the way that it processed information that you could impact somebody else's client with it if they were running it as well. And what they did is they got nude skins and forced everybody to see the nude skins who had been running this particular add-on. And yeah, they got in a lot of trouble for this, but you know. <laughs> See, that's a little bit funny, but at the same time, you don't know it's, who's using it. It could be a kid. It, it could be, and you've, that's. That, that is wrong on every single level yeah. that I can possibly think of. In fact, I pretty much called them a dick to their face and was like, I, I, I want nothing to do with someone who has that kind of moral fiber. Mm. Um, but you know. That kind of thing, should they have reported it? Should they not have reported it? They discovered that this was a possibility and they decided to test it using this. And yet they decided to make YouTube videos about it and disclose it to the world. To me, that's not the right way to handle when you discover something. You see, but again, there are others who disagree entirely. But so. then there's then there's people who stream live stream and and do YouTube videos on. Uh, oh, this on... was way before like Twitch was a thing. No, but what I'm saying is there's there's people who who um, hack hackers, if you know what I mean. They reverse the thing, the, the, the tables on them. And I don't necessarily agree with that either. They're doing something bad. Oh, gosh, yes, those people. Oh, gosh, yeah, uh-huh. There's a, a couple of people that I watch who do that. And it's, you know how you like your trash TV? Yeah. To me, that is well, like I don't, trash. But... <laughs> that's my trash TV. Because I sit there and as they're going about doing the thing where the person did this and they've gone and done some reverse engineering and then they were able to do some, you know, searching and, and then they were able to connect it with this and then they were able to gain access to this, et cetera. And they're, they're telling the story. It's cringe TV for me. And I sit there going, oh, that law. Oh, that law. Oh, mm -hmm. that law. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that law. Like, there's this little piece inside of me that just starts going, ah. But then we start getting to the debate about... um you know, vigilantism and stuff like that. It's moral There's, issues again, though, isn't it? It's, we're getting but back it's, into it's always going world. to, it's always going to come back to that when it comes to, um, if you're just a regular individual, regular Joe Blow who happens to find something that impacts somebody else's software. I mean, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? That's why I say it's so great. So we're coming up to the end of the show now. We are indeed. And we need show. to, we need to summarize this. Um, what is, what is the advice here then for people who want to, uh, there's going to be two, two main camps here. There's going to be people who want to make some money off a bug bounty, and there's going to be people mm -hmm. who accidentally find uh, bugs. If, the, if, you're, if you're going out seeking bugs without permission, then you are a hacker. That I think, can we both agree on that? Is that... I... I, I you know, you're doing I something I illegal. I don't like... The thing is, I don't like the term. I, I'm from the old school where it's a cracker more so than a hacker. Okay, so I mean... But, you know, yeah. but, you know it's, it, technically speaking, for lack of a better term, yeah. yes, I agree with you on that. So you're doing something that's unsavory, let's say. It's not... It's it's a Without it's a, permission, period. Yeah. So if you're doing something without permission... So the people who have permission, who are wanting to chase bug bounties, do you have any advice for people who want to do, who want to do that? What, how do they get started with it? A fine bug, bug bounty program, and there's actually quite a few mm -hmm. tools out there. Then, because I said there, there are some people who work four to six hours a month and can rake in thirty, sixty thousand with their bug bounties because they're following scope, and they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing proper reporting. They're you know pay attention. There are so many different bug programs out there. Just make certain. Are they competitive? Yeah, they can be. They absolutely. In fact, there are certain uh, certain companies will say if you find something that is considered a severe or a really really urgent high kind of a thing, you'll get paid more versus if you find something less. But if you can do a reporting thing where you find five or six different bugs and you report them, and each bug is like a thousand here, 
500 there. It's a bread and butter kind of thing. Those high bounties are rare. They really are. Yeah. So be can be aware of the fact that it's lots of tiny little things that add up to uh, usage over time. But there are tools out there. There are also communities you can find. Um, just be wise, be smart, be good, and do due diligence. You know, and what what's a, a capable and fine for you to do in Italy might be completely different in Estonia. Know what you're dealing with and be aware of the legal things risk assessments you be aware of that stuff but it is a viable career it can really be so on the other side of the fence somebody who finds this bug by accident things by accident has, has innocently found a bug and wants to be the good samaritan which i do i do believe exists most people most people are like that most people are good samaritans so i mean I, I i i think i would i think that you've definitely convinced me that approaching there's no way and i think as i wrote the email i'd probably realize there's no way to approach a company without it sounding um malicious or like blackmail um and, and saying so can you give me some compensation for this before i tell you exactly all the details that, about it that right there is it um, yeah. it that is just for lack of so, a term that's holding someone to ransom and blackmail for knowledge so the, i i fall into that camp because i don't think i'll ever i haven't got the time or the, the patience really for chasing bugs but i think if i accidentally there, found one i would inform a company i would want to inform the company there when if you accidentally find something first <laughs> off investigate the company they might have a bug bounty that you don't know about first off. And if you happen to find something, you might get some compensation for it. That's great. If they don't have a bug bounty, find out if they have a security department or someone who works specifically for InfoSec type things, because sometimes they exist. Sometimes they're very easily found by just searching through a little, learning a bit about the company. Just do some searching. And, you know, in the end, if you really want to help and be the good Samaritan, I can't say whether you should press that button or not. I'm not a lawyer. I cannot, in good conscience, give anyone the 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 go ahead and do this because I don't want someone coming back and saying, "Well, Chelsea from documentations." No, you need to assess the risk. You have to make the judgment call for yourself. And if you do it, you better be darn well. You're not doing it in a way that makes it sound like you're trying to demand something from them because that that is. That's just poor form and rude. I mean, the type of thing I personally would want to receive from somebody is, hey, I was on this thing and I was I just happened to discover this. Um, I don't know exactly everything that happened, but this was the end result of it. Um, would you like to see the logs that I had? Or, you know, I got a screenshot of this crazy weird thing. Do you want me to look into it further? Do you want me to look into it further? Is there a way you want me to report this properly? Do you have a proper methodology for turning these things in? Or am I, you know, I, I'm not, you can explicitly state, I ain't trying to gain something from this. I just really want you to know. Mm -hmm. But I will stress, and this is something, this is where things start to go crazy because you can be the best Good Samaritan in the world. And let us discover, say that you discovered that in your bank, you can transfer money from somebody else's account to yourself and you find no way to turn that kind of information in and you report it and you hear nothing back and you still find later that it's available and that it's happening or capable of happening. That's when people start going, you're not taking care of the issue fast enough. You're not fixing the bug fast enough. You're not protecting your clients fast enough. When do you do the disclosure? And Should is it safe to do it? Yeah, is it safe to do disclosures for something like That's that? I think there's so many different people and security professionals out there who will give a, like, keep logs, my friends, keep logs. I found it at this time. I was using this browser. Like, keep logs, like, straight up keep logs if you find mm. something like this, because you need to be able to document yourself. Documentation must be included. Absolutely. <laughs> Just like an incident report. But in the end, there are people who will just disclose things if they haven't seen that bug fixed in over a year. For some people, it's six months. For some people, it's three. In the end, it's going to come down to where your ethics stand. Yeah. And, and how careful you want to be as well. Yeah. But I will stress, in any situation like this, know your rights. Make the risk assessment. And there are some people who believe if you don't report it, nobody will. And there are some people who believe it's probably already been reported. Hmm. And there are some people who say, I'm reporting it, I want to get paid. 
go bug bounty hunting if that's the case. Okay. Be very careful with this. We love you people. Thank you. We'll be here all night. Hey, no. <laughs> I'm a little passionate about the topic because I know it's a gray, it's a very gray issue, depending on where you're at in that process. Well, you've managed to change one person's opinion, at least, anyway. Oh? Me. I've said it oh. a few times. You've changed my opinion on yeah. it. I said beforehand, having not ever come across this situation, I've reported bugs before, and you know I've reported them as myself, and I've been rewarded for that, and not necessarily monetary, but I said community contributor awards from Microsoft and that kind of thing. MVPs, you know, they are Microsoft value professionals. They get that's a reward, and you actually get something for that for being a community contributor, and that may very well be a security bug that you've just fixed it could be a serious one it could just be that you're you're continuously providing value to the community but it's still uh given by the company on their behest it's not demanded by the people that that ask mm. them and as i said previous to this i would probably not have demanded but being like well i don't know i don't know how i'd have approached it i think as i said it would have crossed my mind that I can't do this. This isn't morally right when just before I click the send button or even while I was writing the email, you know? <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Sometimes people don't think that far in advance. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I didn't because I've never been in that situation. I never needed to. I've, I've mm -hmm. literally sent somebody a message and said, oh, I found this bug. Um, these are the logs that I had for it. And they weren't security bugs anyway. So, so yeah, security, it's when you start getting into the security world, it's vastly different than this was spelled wrong in a tooltip kind well, of a bug, you know? <laughs> I think it's a bit more detailed, a bit more complex than that, but it was, yes. uh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't security related. Yep. But now we're on the BYOM part where we bring our own manuals to the table. We share something we've learned this week. Chris, what did yeah. you learn? Right, I'm going to use, uh, I've learned quite a lot this week. I've been doing a lot of uh, Angular work and I've learned, I've relearned a lot about observables. Um, and I've also re, which I've been streaming. So everybody who's been watching the streams already knows what I've learned. Um, but what I'm going to use is something I learned just before the stream um, is about Blazor, uh, .NET Core Blazor. Um, so mm -hmm. this is a new framework, which I know lots of people already know more about than me because they keep up to date, but I haven't. I heard the name a good while back. I think I had a look uh, very, very early on to see what it what it did. And I've only just learned today that it's um, WebAssembly. Um, it's client-side WebAssembly built uh, that's essentially trying to replace JavaScript. Um, uh. since it can you can create single page applications or even you know client side mm -hmm. applications using C sharp. Um, so I'm gonna actually do a stream about that and I'm gonna look into it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I learned today. Well, that's what you learned today, or it's technically for this type of a week thing. In my particular case, I uh, I I've been messing around in uh, POSIX systems. And I actually realized IVR is basically a terminology for that digital assistant that you hear every time you call and they're like, thank you so much for calling. If you wanna to speak to somebody, please press four. Mm -hmm. If you wanna do this and listen to horrible music, please press six. You know, it's actually known as an IVR, uh, which I didn't realize. And cause I kept looking at it going, what the hell does that mean? And it, it literally is just a, a virtual something or other. It's, yeah, I've, it I've basically on, literally represents the recorded message for the digital assistant. I've worked on an IVR before. Um, I didn't know that term, but I've worked on you know automated systems and usually they're quite pro they're proprietary and they've got some kind of scripting, uh, scripting thing built into it. But I've worked on them in a number of different different ways, uh, different um, situations, not just telephones. But yeah. Ah, oh, yes. So with that in mind, we're now at the end of our show. Thank you so much, everyone, in Twitch chat for Twitch chat for joining in. Thanks to everybody for listening in the future. Indeed, and you can visit our website on www.dnistream.live. You can find all of our podcasts. Um, hopefully, we'll be publishing very soon the new version. So all of the recent changes and optimizations it's really fast now and really cool and, and i saw it's like it instead of taking three seconds to fast. load it's it's instant and it's paged and it's beautiful the only thing i've got left to do is the keyword um keyword filtering which i just started doing just before the stream and it shouldn't take long because i've done most of the hard work in already mm. on that uh, you can use the website to give us feedback use a contact form to give us feedback on the podcast uh, talk about anything 
uh, to do with new subjects that you might want to hear about um, or if you want to be a guest on the show which we're always looking for guests we're always looking for people to, to get people on so do get in touch and lastly follow follow our twitch channel now if you haven't already for dev streams and for this weekly podcast as well Yes, and we do hope to see you all again next week at 7 p.m. UK time at twitch.tv slash stream. Please, if you like what we're doing, spread the word. And if you're listening to us on any of those fantastic podcasting platforms, please, you know, potentially give us a review. The review could be as simple as Chris's beard is epic. Because it is. And if you're just listening to us, you really should go check us out, you know, live so you can see how epic this beard really is. Get involved with the conversation. Okay. Yes. And all that's left is for us to say goodbye. So, Chris. Bye. And from me, bye bye. See you all next week.